You have to stay on top of trends. Today's leaders always need to be learning. In this environment of limited resources, the only way to remain competitive is your ability to leverage your most important resource. Welcome to Your Evolving Leadership Journey. In this program, we'll dive into leadership fundamentals that are essential to your success. Now, here's your host, Tom Crea. Good Monday morning and welcome to another episode of Your Evolving Leadership Journey. Once again, we interview great authors who've written great books that are going to help you on your leadership journey. You can find all of their information about any guests that we have coming or any past guests at yourevolvingleadershipjourney.com and look at their social profiles, anything you want to know about their book or anything about their business. So today we have the distinct privilege uh, and pleasure of interviewing yet another great author. And his name is Jeremy Kubitschek. And he is the author of The 100X Leader. So let me just tell you a little bit about it before we meet Jeremy. And his uh, book is about the process of multiplying leadership. And we're going to talk about the metaphor of Tibetan Sherpas. And metaphors are great because those things just stick in your mind and you remember them. And I got to tell you, you know, in reading uh, all that I read about The 100X Leader, there are some great aspects of the book. Three parts of it that I really want to dive into and so let me just get into introducing Jeremy and we will get moving with all those questions. So Jeremy inspires people all over the world to apply these concepts uh, with whomever they lead and he is the author, excuse me, the author, the CEO of Giant. By the way, I want you to know Giant's all caps except for the one letter the second letter, which is the I, which I believe I understand why, but I'm going to ask him to explain that. And Giant is, uh, they're, into, they're a leader in scalable people development. And that platform has created the 100X People System, which has been called the Netflix that meets Peloton for adult learning. The secret is powerful 21st century content around IQ, EQ, and personality that scales through organizations. So I'm excited to have him. It's a pretty cool book. And uh, it's going to be, I hopefully be a very fun interview for you because I know it's going to be for me and Jeremy. So Jeremy, thank you for being my guest today and uh, welcome. Tom, thank you. So good to be with you and uh, fired up to just uh, talk about all things leadership. Okay. Well, before we get into leadership, uh, the one question I would want my audience to know is, well, two questions. Number one, are you a climber? And number two, why the little eye and giant? So... If you think metaphorically, yes, I am a climber, not actually a Mount Everest climber. So my climbing is basically the idea of growing, of, uh, you know, if, if I want to get really smart to go from a leadership perspective, I'm always climbing, right? We're always going somewhere. But to your question, I'm not the climber that uh, uh, would be having harrowing stories on the top of Mount Everest, but I have interviewed and talk to, I don't know how many Sherpas and climbers um, to get the information and really fully understand um, the climbing aspect. And your second question, the little I in giant, it stands for humility. It's the idea of doing big things in a humble way. Um, in 2002, um, my wife and I were in a uh, almost near tragic car accident in Cancun, Mexico hit by a drunk driver in a hurricane. Mm. And uh, it completely changed the way that we live our life. It changed the way that we view life. And so we came back from that and we changed the, 
our name from a big eye to a little eye, and uh, that was that was the the future of Giant. Yeah, that's what I had a feeling you were going to say. It's not about me, the humility, and in your book you definitely talk about that. So that. I kind of suspected that, but I wanted to hear it from you. But thank you. That's great. And I love the, I love your, uh, another metaphor you're offering um, regarding uh, climbing. And that is, you know, we're all on this leadership journey, which just dovetails with exactly what I want to um, offer our listeners in this show. So here's the first question about the book. Um, I, you kind of addressed it, but why, we got to go beyond now. Why the Sherpa metaphor about climbing? Well, everything we do at Giant, we take really complex concepts and make them simple enough for a 13-year-old to get it. The problem with leadership is most of it's been 20th century bullet points, lots of, or let's just say Harvard, Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, DISC, really, really good, meaty things, but they don't scale. Metaphor scales, parable scales, visual tools scale. When someone can use something and pass it on to someone else, that's when things scale. So that's when people learn, when you and I can teach something to somebody else. So the idea of the metaphor, the Sherpa, it's been talked about for a lot of years. People always talk about a mountain, climbing a mountain. Some people have used the Sherpa, but not to the depths that we have. So the idea of a Sherpa, meaning that they have to climb, and then they have to help others climb. So they have to be healthy enough to climb themselves and they have to, to be acclimated and they have to be able to do the actual climbing. And then they have to have an eye out for those climbers they're helping up the mountain. That whole metaphor has just not gotten mined out until the 100X leader. And we just have been mining it and putting our tools around it so that people can really understand that leadership is performance and helping others perform in the same way of climbing and helping others climb. It's two parts of leadership. We just separate those things out. So that's, that's really the focus of the book. Well, you know what? And that's what I, one of the things I picked up is I, I'm reading through, you know, some of these concepts I, I know just because I've been around the block with these issues because this is my passion, leadership development. And you definitely simplified a number of things. And I thought, this is great. This is going to be a fun conversation. Hey, one more question before we get into your book. Um, what's your background? What's your educational background? So education, I went, uh, I, I have a, a business degree and as soon as I, from a small liberal arts school and as soon as I graduated, I moved to um, Russia in uh, early 90s and I started uh, right after the fall of communism, started three companies there uh, with a group of partners and built those up and so I've been basically building and starting companies ever since. So I've been a part of about 21 different ventures. And, uh, and then in 2006, we bought John Maxwell's assets, and I merged those into Giant, to Giant, and we built the LeaderCast, we built Catalyst Conferences, uh, and partnered with Henry Cloud, partnered with all types of thought leaders like John Maxwell, Pat Lencioni, and uh, you know others that we've, we've um, been able to play with through the years. So that's my background as far as a leadership perspective. Uh, most of it has come through real, the real world university. Mm -hmm. uh, running companies and being an entrepreneur and seeing what works and what doesn't work. And uh, so. Well, that's fascinating. And we can probably spend a whole hour on that, but we really want to target our listeners today about how they're going to help their, their leadership development. And part one of his book is about developing you. Part two is 
I'm scrolling through my, no, there we go. Getting others to a higher level. And the third part is all about culture. So this is again, why it resonated so much with me because it, it's, uh, it's the type of stuff that I believe in and the things that I want my guests to share with you. So let's get to the first question about Basecamp, um, developing you. What does 100X mean? And please break out the 100 and then the X. Yeah, the idea is that if you go to Basecamp, you actually have to be prepared to climb. But Basecamp is 17,000 feet on Mount Everest. 17,000 feet is, you know, 3,000 feet higher than the highest mountain in the lower 48 in, in America. So when you think about that, you go, oh, my goodness. So to be able to be at Basecamp, it means that you've got to be healthy enough to climb. And if you're not healthy enough to climb, you shouldn't necessarily be there. So 100 stands for your level of health. Uh, every one of us have a, has a number over our heads. Uh, you and I, we might have an 80, we might have a 70 at times, we might have a 90 at times. And we, in the book, we even talk about how do you find that number, we call the peace index, to figure out what that index is, that number. So if you think about being healthy, you've got to be able to be healthy. Um, if you're, especially if you're leading other people, you don't want an asthmatic Sherpa. Right, you don't want to uh, you don't want a, mount, a sherpa on the mountain who can barely climb. Um, so you've got to have leaders who are healthy enough. And then X is multiple. Hey, can I pause you for there? I'm sorry, I wanted to ask yeah, you a question. Yeah, yeah I know, I, I know, I asked you that, and uh, and I apologize, but I, I want to expand on this 100 part. Mm -hmm. So in my background in the army and our leadership development and in different things that I've come across is, you know, we have these balance wheels, and and I, I believe what you're going where you're going with this 100 percent. And as I read. There are different things that you kind of measure, and then you do this, um, you assess, you give yourself a score of zero to 10 on each of these variables, and then once you've done that, you divide by however many variables there are, and that's your percentage of uh, your personal health. And so we're really talking about how do you get to be the best you um, before we get into the next part, which is the X. And um, so do you want to say anything more about that balance that we all need as leaders, and then we can get into the X? Yeah, it's that whole idea of uh, none of us graduate from the school of self-awareness. So the idea is getting to 100 is a exercise. It's a journey in and of itself. And so a lot of us, one, don't know how to actually find out where we are. So then if you do know where you are, it's, it's the journey from moving from a 70 to a 90 or an 85 to 100. So that's its own leadership journey. It's getting healthy enough so you know yourself to lead yourself. We've got a number of tools. We use visual tools around self-awareness so you understand what your tendencies are, understand what your patterns are, understand the actions that either minimize your health or maximize your health. And we have a whole process that we take people. But the idea is if you're on Mount Everest, the guides and the Sherpas, they're testing you out if you were climbing. They're testing you from base camp to camp one to see how you're going to acclimate if you're able, if you're healthy enough for the climb. If you're not, they're going to call you around camp one or camp two to make sure that you don't go up the mountain because you can cause a lot of damage to other people. Only 50% of the people who climb Mount Everest actually ever make it to the top. Oh. And so if you think about that, the rest of them, their summit might have been camp one, camp two, maybe camp three. Mm -hmm. So it's important that you understand health. If you're going to be leading people, you need to be the healthiest person in the room. 
I love it. That's fantastic. And, uh, and again, it's a great metaphor. But so I, I, I'm kind of curious how you uh, learned so much about it if you never climbed uh, in the in the real mountain climbing sense. Uh, clearly, you did the research on it, and and that's great. If you want to talk about it, go ahead. If not, we can. No, I'm, I've been I've been interviewed. So I started with climbers, and I started um, a, a few a friend, friend of mine, uh, Eddie Backler, has been climbing a lot of uh, higher mountains, and I started talking to him about it, and and uh, you know learning, and so I interviewed climbers and all the climbers would all they would talk about was not the mountain they would talk about their sherpa and they and then all of a sudden i realized the real hero in the mountains the sherpa the hero is the sherpa and so i interviewed sherpas and i uh, on base camp and so oh, cool. really pretty amazing wi-fi there and um and so what i started talking to the sherpas and and i asked them this question how many times have you summited and three of them, uh, Fanuru, Nibu, and Niru, they all looked at me and they were like, started laughing. They're like, no, 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 that's not how it works. That's a very Western question. We don't think that way. We don't know how many times we've summited, but last year I helped 11 people summit. Oh, cool. Like, last year I helped 17 people summit. Last year I helped 22 people summit. So it wasn't about how many times they made it to the top with the big victory. It was how many times did they help other people get to the next level which is the perfect metaphor for leadership. I know a lot of the times the servant leadership has been used. The problem with servant leadership, that language is that word servant is a misnomer in certain cultures. Mm -hmm. We then put Sherpa in its place and people understand what it means. Okay, my job is to help you get to the next level. So what does that look like then? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad I asked you that. That's a fantastic explanation and it helps me totally understand or not totally but clearly understand the background and the basis for all these things in your book all right well i I didn't think it was unimportant so i did want to spend some time on it but let's get to the x in 100x yeah so everyone is multiplying something sometimes people are multiplying negativity so we use symbols again very simple a 13 year old can get this you could ask a 13 year old where are you one through a hundred and they might give you a, a number and that's just their, you know, off the cuff number. I'm at a 70. Okay. Then the next one is, are you a negative? Are you a divisive, negative, plus, or an add? Or sorry, or a multiplication. So the symbols of uh, an X multiplication or a plus sign, we found that the best leaders in the world, the, the, I shouldn't say the best leaders, the most of the leaders at best are 75 plus. 75% healthy and they add value, they're positively reactive. So Tom, if you ever need anything, my door's always open, be glad to help you. If you need anything, I'll be, you know. So that means it's up to you to come to me and I'll be glad to help you. A 100X leader is someone who is so healthy that they're thinking ahead, positively proactive. They're seeing what role you play and they're pushing you to get you to that level. That's a 100X leader. 60 minus leader is someone who's jaded, cynical, tired. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, David? Yeah, you know David. He's just, you know how he is. So there's the gossip. There's some slander. There's those kind of things in the system. That kind of t- then you get the 40 divide, and that's someone who's completely divisive, completely toxic. And so those leaders can run. So using those simple symbols, you can analyze, where are you right now? Where are you in your family dynamic? Where are you with your team culture? Where are you with yourself? And you can give yourself numbers to go, you know, right now, I think I'm at 80. 
um, five, 83, 85. And I think I'm, I'm an ex right now in, in my world. Uh, with my kids, I'm definitely there. With my team, I probably could be a little bit more intentional with about three of my key employees. Um, so it's just a, it's just a reminder. It's a, it's a simple metaphor to help me analyze where I'm at on a daily basis. And I don't have to go off and, you know, do three day retreat on that. It's just a simple little, uh, understanding that people understand, Hey, we're going to, the journey is to get you from whatever number to a hundred as close as possible. Then the other journey, the more difficult journey is to move you from a negative or a plus to an X. And I've just found the majority of the leaders, they're 75 plus, they kind of know what to do to get to 90, but they have no idea what to do to move from a plus to an X. And that's, uh, that's what we're trying to accomplish at Giant. That's cool. Um, so when you have a, an individual who, let's say, let's just say they're at 70%, but they want to be, you can tell they've got the right attitude. They want to be an 80X or 90X. How do you, what do you say to them how, so that they don't get discouraged or whatever? Yeah, so what's the, how do you eat an elephant, right? It's one bite at a time. So what we do is we use a simple symbol to go. The first thing to do is to really understand your wiring, your personality. So we have a book called The Five Voices. We took Myers-Briggs Jungian typology and we made it simple enough so people can scale and talk about it. So it's understanding who you are. Um, I'll give you an example. I thought I was a pioneer all of my life, which would be an ENTJ in Myers-Briggs. I really realized I'm an ENFP, really. I'm a connector, creative pioneer. When I understood that, I kind of calmed down, and I, I stopped playing somebody on TV that I wasn't really, and I started to lean into who I really was by my nature. And when I got to my nature, then I started understanding my tendencies. So my wife and I have this tendency log that we work off of, and we kind of create, um, do you know that I do this? Or do you know that I do that? And she's going, of course I've known you do that. So <laughs> we, like for instance, um, I can be very defensive. I can be very, um, I can exaggerate. Well, I, so when I realize I can do those things, then I find out when do I normally do those things and what causes that usually. And then I go from that to go, what is my normal action and what is the consequence I normally create? And so that little process of self-awareness, we just say start with one. Start knowing yourself really, really well. Do you know at times, Tom, that uh, you, you cut people off in the middle of conversation? You don't. I don't know this. I'm just saying. Oh, but I'm going to cut you off later on. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. But see what no, I mean? So whatever your tendency is, are you aware of what it's like to be on the other side of you? And that is the journey up the mountain because you start realizing, huh, I'm undermining my influence because I do X, Y, and Z. So the whole part of the 100X leader, it's a journey. And we actually have this process on giant called Sherpa training. And we actually train people how to be a Sherpa, but it takes 52 sessions where they just kind of use a tool as a mirror and the mirror starts showing them the broccoli in their teeth and they get the broccoli out. And then there's another piece of broccoli and they get it out. And that just, it's, but it's, it's a progress is a process. 
So we just use one mirror, one tool to start the process of self-awareness. Correct. And it is a journey there. It's not like you go in there and you just get this huge brain dump and you're able to walk away and apply it all. And so that's fantastic that you say you've got to continue it over 52 weeks. Um, one of the things I like to do, Jeremy, is I like to recap some of the things you said, just in case uh, if I don't say it correctly, go ahead and correct me. Uh, but essentially, I love the, um, you know, you said, uh, you know, you, you, how do you eat an elephant? one bite at a time, you know, you kind of mentioned in there, it's implied when he talked about the Myers-Briggs type indicator, MBTI, um, it's just one of a number of assessment tools. And I'm a big fan of those because they're, they're huge and they all give you some insight into who you are and self-awareness. So I love that. And I also love the fact that you and your wife have this relationship where you're able to ask for feedback because I think that's a characteristic strength of any person who wants to be a leader to, to be able to ask for feedback and accept criticism. So I do have another question, of course, but if you want to comment on that, I obviously want your thoughts. Yeah. Well, so then the goal of the Sherpa is to fight for the highest possible good of those they lead. So the Sherpa is wanting you to get to the next level, but they're going to fight for you. So they're going to support you and then they're going to challenge you. So what we found, the whole secret was of a Sherpa, they go up ahead of everyone else and they put the support lines, the ladders, they make sure the path is clear before anyone else even got up. So they go up the mountain, they come back down to base camp and get everyone. Then they go climb with them again and they're challenging them all along the way. And what's amazing about the Sherpa is they've learned intuitively how someone needs a whisper, someone needs a little bit more stern, someone needs a pat on the back, someone doesn't need anything. They've learned the personalities to get them up the mountain. What I've found is that most leaders, they do the golden rule, lead, uh, do unto others as you'd want done to yourself. Well, I don't need a hug. I didn't get training. Mm -hmm. Why should you? Mm -hmm. And the platinum rule is do unto others as they would want done to themselves. So the Sherpa know that intuitively. And that was what was amazing about them. So if a leader can understand every single leader is a Sherpa, they have to bring support and make sure that there's enough resources. Then they bring a challenge, but the way they bring challenge is commensurate to how that person responds. And that's the secret of leadership that most people don't do. They just go, this is who I am, this is what I do, and they do the same thing every day, which is the definition of insanity, right? So that's, that's what we're trying to get people to understand. If your job is to think like a Sherpa, then your job is to lead like a Sherpa. It, that means support and challenge, but you're fighting for their highest possible good. And uh, my wife and I just happen to have a relationship where we fight for each other's highest possible good. That's great. Look, um, so this uh, introduces a question in my mind as you're talking about the Sherpas, and I'm curious if you asked them this, and if you did, I'd like to know what their answer is, and if you didn't, then just uh, related in terms of leadership. So what happens when, the, when, you, when I'm climbing the mountain, the Sherpa, we start at 17,000 feet, but Tom can only get to 19,000, and Jeremy can get to 21. Neither of us can make the summit. How do they treat the people who only get so far? Yeah, so they basically, um, they honor them, but they basically, uh, their job, the guide says to the Sherpa, we need you to cull as many as possible. Cull, C-U-L-L. -L. Okay. Meaning, if they're, if they're not going to be um, at that level, then we need them out because they could do a lot of damage to anyone else. So the secret uh, of the, the Sherpa is just the simple idea of what level 
should they be at? Can they get to that level? Mm -hmm. So inside organizations, you have people at level one, level two, level three, level four. You hire someone for level four, that's in the death zone. That's way up here. If, but if they can only make it to level two, don't drop your expectation to level two. You might go, I have the wrong person for the wrong job. So you're all the time understanding what levels the people that you've hired them for. You share the expectations with them, and then you help them by supporting them and challenging them to get to that level. If they can't, then the job of the Sherpa, it's what we call, that's liberation. It's fighting for them. Hey, you're not going to be here, Tom. You're going to die if you go up any higher, and we're going to die. So it's being very, very honest. Most people just don't do that and share that level of expectation. But that's what uh, a great leader does. All right. I want to ask you one more question before we go to break. And I'm going to tell you the question. Then I want to read a statement from your book. I want to know what you mean by what specific mountain. Um, and here's what you said. Once you journey up the mountain yourself and prove that you have what it takes, you will become the Sherpa for those you lead. What's that mountain? Yeah, so it, the mountain is whatever journey you're on as a team. Okay. If you understand that your team, this is what we're trying to do right now. We're trying to do this as an organization. Then where is everyone on the mountain? Uh, what roles are they? Are they at a level one role, level two role, level three role, level four role? And how do you get them to that level? So it's, it could be, the mountain could be your family. Uh, it could be your, um, in the journey of your family, teenage years. It could be the organization itself. So it really is getting people to understand what mountain are they on. Most people honestly wake up every day and it's got to make the donuts, got to make the donuts. And they just get up every day and make the donuts and they forget what the mountain is. And so they, they forget, they're not thinking like a Sherpa that they're responsible for the people that they're leading. And so they don't share expectation. They don't share what journey a journey is. They don't share what the mountain is. And so you've got a lot of people who are floundering, and they just look around and go, well, I guess we're supposed to make donuts. And they're not operating at the same level. And then they're, they're not meeting expectations of the leader who never shared the expectation with the employee. Wow, you've got some rich me metaphors. I love it. Um, we're going to wrap up our first half here. Uh, we've been speaking with Jeremy Kubitschek about his book, The 100X Leader, the idea of the Sherpa, and we've been focused on part one, developing you. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Thank you very much. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. As Tom works with leaders, something he consistently sees is their struggle with engagement and retention. Then their frustration with having to repeat the employee development process again and again. What most people don't know is the answer lies in love. Once they realize that they simply need to apply the golden rule, the results are surprising. They start bringing out the best in others. They develop confident, capable employees, and they find they have more fun and freedom and less stress in their lives. Perhaps most importantly, they satisfy what they've been craving. Now they've created the culture that they and their team have always wanted. This is when Synergy takes over, and the results are astounding. The first step is critical. 
When you exhibit the self-awareness and humility that shows you need to learn and improve continuously, you set the example and encourage others to follow. To learn more, visit Blackhawk Leadership Development at BlackhawkSpeaks.com. That's BlackhawkSpeaks.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Your Evolving Leadership Journey. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you have questions or comments about the program, you may send an email to tom at blackhawkspeaks.com. Now, back to Your Evolving Leadership Journey. Welcome back to our show. And once again, if you want to know more about any of our authors, today's guest, what's coming up, Go to YourEvolvingLeadershipJourney.com and all the information you need is there. Look, we've been speaking with Jeremy Kubitschek today about the 100X leader and all of the rich metaphors he's got in there when it comes to the Sherpa. And and all these things apply to developing yourself as a leader. And we're going to get into next about how you grow other leaders and you create a culture. Um, But let's close out the part we've been talking about, about you developing yourself. Jeremy's got this concept, uh, this concept. tool he calls the challenge, excuse me, the support challenge matrix. And Jeremy, if you would just go ahead and explain that to our listeners. Yeah. So when I was living in Russia, um, I watched uh, 70 years of communism and what it did to the people. And I watched the abdication that it created and the apathy and the gray like uh, culture. And I realized that domination, uh, which is really a, fear, um, it's manipulation, it's uh, trying to get people to do something only creates compliance, not engagement. So we came up with this idea of the difference between liberation and domination, and then we furthered it to go, all right, let's put a matrix together. High support, high challenge are the best leaders on the planet. Those who bring high support, high challenge. So think about anyone listening, think about Who's a person in your life that was, is so for you? I mean, they, they're, they're committed to you, but they're also so committed to you that they challenge you at the highest levels. They're pushing you at levels that you would never have gotten to by yourself. So it's high support and high challenge. It's probably only two, three, four people in our life that we can think of. And if you want to encourage them, if they're still living, send them a text. Tell them thank you for bringing high support and high challenge in your life. But those are people we call liberators. They liberate, they bring empowerment, they bring opportunity, but you know they're for you. But if you drop one of those, like, let's just say you drop support straight down and only had high challenge, then it feels like domination. It doesn't feel like you're for me, 
it might feel like you're against me. You're always pushing me, but you're not providing any encouragement, any hope, any vision, any belief, anything that I need, any resourcing. So lots of us could probably have a lot more names in that category. They could be in the military. You can find people in, could be coaches. It could be a teacher. It could be a parent that you didn't feel were for you. It felt like they were always against you. There's a fine line. So the key, so those who want to learn how to be the best leaders keep challenged, but you have to learn how to support. Then if you drop, if you have support, but you drop challenge, then you bring the protector. The protecting aspect are those who bring lots of rah-rah, but they create these cultures of, of uh, mistrust, uh, entitlement, because um, they're not sharing ex expectations, but they hint a lot. Hey, Tom, big week next week. Are we ready? Like, mm. hint, hint, hint. But they haven't shared expectations. So they're not challenging c consistently. So it feels like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. We always say that that color is yellow. Um, it's kind of caution. And then if you have someone who's low support and low challenge, they're burned out, they're tired, they're, that's abdication. So the abdicator, they abdicate. So it's low expectations. You can see this in the, some government agencies sometimes. You see it in lots of, you know, I saw that again back to Russia. So the idea is that these different quadrants, what's crazy about the support challenge matrix is it's a mirror. And we can use that one mirror for a year to have ahas and learning opportunities in anyone's life. Because I could ask you, Tom, to go, all right, Tom, where are you traditionally at with your team, those that you've led? And you could scatter plot yourself and say, well, I tend to be here. Well, what if you went and asked the people that you led? What would they say? And so they would put you on that matrix. And so now you've got a learning opportunity. Or you might do the same with your wife, or it might do the same with your kids. And, or it might be even looking at yourself. How do you think about yourself? When we found a lot of people dominate themselves, they talk to themselves, you're an idiot. God, you always, why do you always? So that domination to yourself, you're bringing in, you're, you're almost um, uh, taking yourself out and it's not a healthy way to live. So the idea is what does it look like to live with liberation as a key? How do you live with high support and high challenge because I'm all of those things in a given day. I can dominate one per I can dominate my son and I can protect one of my daughters and I can abdicate another one of my daughters all in one day. And that's the beauty of these tools that we use at Giant. They're visual enough because they're mirrors. It's not a laundry list of bullet points like 20th century learning. 21st century is visual. I can look at something, I can adapt and I can train myself and go, look, there's a tendency, huh? So does that make sense? Oh, man, I, I love it. I mean, and you, you're great with the metaphors, and I wish we could dive into all of the, the details in your book, but we don't have enough time. And so I would encourage the readers or listeners to be readers, excuse me, and uh, and then you'll be able to, to get more of these insights. Now, I do want to say, because Jeremy used the word liberating in uh, the first half of the show, and, and he just explained it, but I just want to highlight it. Uh, he writes, 100x leaders are the best leaders in the world because they have learned how to liberate those they lead in every circle of influence, self, family, team, organization, and community. So I just want to leave you with that thought before we move on. I want to ask you one question before we move on, and that is you've talked about Myers-Briggs, you've talked about, well, you didn't say it directly, but I got to ask you this question. 
how you talked about your background in, in Russia and how it influenced you. And the question I have for you is this, um, because this influenced me personally, the situational leadership model, Ken Blanchard, Paul Kersey. Yeah. That's part of, yeah, I, I had a feeling and, and, and you yeah, definitely, no, but that's not where it came from. Uh, oh, okay. in, in fact, afterwards, uh, I've had a number of people go, Hey, this is kind of like situational leadership. Yeah, it is. Uh, and so I went back and looked at it, but after we had created it, um, so it wasn't influenced by that. Um, but it, uh, also situational leadership is known in the eighties. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not had the influence, um, in this next generation. So what we what's happened is um, we've just simply given a visual to it to make it more simple to share and explain. And well, uh, yep, but, it's known in the '80s by people like me because that's when I was cutting my teeth. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay. Look, let's move on to your second part, which is um, developing, getting others to a higher level. And uh, why don't you just get started, and then I'll ask you some questions. What, what, what's this all about? This part. Okay, so everyone in, in your organization, let's just say if you're a listener and you're leading people, that means that you're responsible. So we, we use the phrase uh, mutual responsibility. Um, so let's say um, a plant. Let's just take an analogy of a plant, okay? Does a plant want to grow? And whose responsibility is it for a plant to grow? Well, we'd say it's both. It's the gardener and it's the plant. There's mutual responsibility. So it's your job. So like on a mountain, uh, whose responsibility is it to go up the mountain? Well, is the Sherpa's responsibility or is it the climber's responsibility? That's well, mutual responsibility. The climber wants to climb and the Sherpa wants them to climb. And so the idea is that you've got to be responsible to help people get to the next level. So the first thing that you do is go, hey, what level am I trying to get you at? Where are you on the mountain? Where are you in the journey? I really need you, Tom, to get to level three. That's where I need you to be. I need you to be here because this is what we need as the organization. So defining that level and then sharing the expectation with the person. So that's the key. Most people don't share expectation. So they go, hey, uh, they share job descriptions. Job descriptions are partially expectations. But what I like to do is to say, look, here's what I expect of you. This is what we need in the organization. This is how the organization wins when you do this. This is how you win when you do this. Now, what do you need from me? Do you need more support or do you need a challenge right now? So I'm always understanding that I need more support or more challenge. Then when and if they have issues that undermine their influence, they trust me that I can point them out. Look, Tom, sometimes you do this and this is killing you from actually getting to the place you want to go. So I'm going to call that up. I'm going to call you up. I'm not going to call you out. And that's what a Sherpa does. They call people up to the next level. They're not just demeaning and calling them out all the time. And what most leaders uh, have just failed, honestly, is because all they've known is calling people out. And it leads to domination. Domination leads to abdication. It leads to compliance, not empowerment. So that's the key for what, um, where I'm at. You, you've got this quote in the book, and I, I would love for you to take a, two full minutes to explain this. And let me read it to you. And um, here it is. People change when they see what it is like to be on the other side of themselves. Yeah, great. So, um, again, what if I had a drone 
um, and for a full for a full day, I followed you around. And then when we followed you around, it had you know it was videoing all of it. And um, then in the in the evening, we brought in uh, your spouse, your kids, your mom, <laughs> anyone that was really close to you, and we actually showed back what it was like to be on the other side of you. I think we would all be shocked, like, huh, I do that? My facial recognition, my, my body language, my tone, my tact, wow, I had no idea. And what if you could then start seeing the patterns that you play and then start saying, look, this is your same action you do every single time this occurs. What if we could actually modify, you could actually see that and start making significant changes? And that's a key that we've, we basically uh, do is like, what's it like to be on the other side of you? Are you aware? So we have this uh, tool called Know Yourself, Lead Yourself. And what we found is that a lot of people, they know themselves to justify themselves or they know themselves to hide themselves. But to know themselves to lead themselves means that they actually put into action what needs to take place. So knowing what it's like to be on the other side of you is really a challenge that we'd like to throw out. And what we do is we use visual tools as mirrors, as I mentioned. Now, the mirror is objective. It's not subjective. And this is really point, uh, important because subjectivity is like, hey, Tom, you know what, man? You need to step it up, all right? I want to see you be a better leader. I just need you to get to the next level. You got that? And you're like, I uh, don't know what you mean. I have mm -hmm. no clue. But instead, if I have a mirror up and I go and I show you the support challenge matrix, I go, hey, Tom, let me show you where I tend to be. I've noticed this is where I tend to be. Now, how about you? Where are you at? And I show you a mirror because people will only change when they see the issues for themselves. When they see they have broccoli in their teeth, that's the only time people will change. So we create objective language through visual tools that secret actually is what causes people to want to change, get the broccoli out of their own teeth, and start this journey of knowing themselves to lead themselves. They can't read enough. The problem that I have with, with so many uh, sources, there's a lot of smart people, smart know-it-alls that no one wants to follow because they've got all of the knowledge, but they're not applying it into their everyday life. So I appreciate academia. I think it's important, and I love, I'm, I'm a massive reader. And I'm also very cognizant of the fact that a lot of people will use language to prop themselves up or use knowledge to prop themselves up. But it's like, no, 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 who's following you right now? Right. Does anyone want to follow you? Or would they be okay with friendly fire happening? And that is, in essence, is what it's like to be on the other side of yourself. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I, and I love your metaphors. And, and for me, uh, my personal experience, it was always about developing people. So you walk everybody through that in your book. Um, I don't know if you want to comment on this further, but uh, here's another thing you write, how kids change. Children don't change by shaming them. They change through aspiration. You must call them up to be who they are becoming instead of calling out their current behavior. And then you also say the same thing applies with adults. So I don't know if you want to talk about it any further, yeah. but if, go ahead. Yeah, real, real quick. So my, um, about, I don't know, 10 years ago, I became very intentional with my kids. I have three kids now. I had dinner with them last night with my wife. They're 22, 20, and 18. And um, when they turned, I decided when they turned 13, they all had to have um, 
Uh, we were going to start treating them like adults. By the time they were 15, they had to have a company they ran or they had to work for someone in a significant way. Um, by 16, we have an apprenticeship process with our kids from 16 to 18 years old. And there's a list of IQ, emotional intelligence, personality, um, all the things they need to know from what are the 10 meals that you can make on your own before you leave home to just, we just, I just got very intentional with my wife and I with our kids. And um, we, tr we have conversations that are unbelievable all because I decided to get in the game with my kids. I decided to treat them like adults at 15. When I did that, that changed everything in the dynamics of their, um, you know, being resourceful. My point is there's a difference between intentional living and accidental living. And most adults live accidentally. They're not evil. They're not horrible people. They just haven't been, no one's talking about this. So to become intentional means I know my kids wiring and they know their wiring. They know their personality. So therefore I communicate to who they really are and it's three times more effective than it would have been. Um, I have, you know, I'm helping my, my youngest daughter right now with her aspirations and her plans. So we meet once a quarter and we have like really deep dive on her apprenticeship track and we kind of go through meetings and we have expectations. I met with her yesterday talking about the summer. Uh, hey, Kate, you're going to need, you've got 60 days before you go to college. What's your game plan? She's got two businesses she's working on. Um, and so, you know, I'm helping her adjust those and how she's going to do it. And I had to remind her of the marketing plan that she really needs to get hard on marketing and she needs to start that in March. So, you know, we're having that kind of dialogue and it's just different, but it's been 10 years of doing that. So I would encourage anyone uh, who wants to, to play and get in the game that uh, being intentional with your kids, it will make you more effective as a leader as well. Well, that's fantastic. And your kids are going to have a great, great jump on your life. You know, that whole uh, discussion about intentional versus accidental reminded me of this, uh, this soundbite, if you will. Um, most people don't plan to fail, but 97% of the population fails to plan. And, and you encapsulated that perfectly. So let's uh, save our last 10 minutes, I guess, for Part three of your book, that's creating an atmosphere for the atmosphere for growth. And if you don't mind, just go ahead and introduce it just like you did the second part two. Yeah, so leadership is a jargon word. Uh, there's lots of definitions of leadership. Culture is a jargon word. So we think leadership is performing and leading performers. Well, culture is atmosphere. And so the way that we like to use a metaphor to understand culture is culture is atmosphere. It's the greenhouse. So... A greenhouse, inside a greenhouse are plants and there's a, a gardener. A gardener equals a leader, a plant equals an employee. So what we do is just say, look, if you wanna be, if you wanna really, really lead your people really well, then you need to understand that culture is atmosphere and the gardener, the leader, defines the culture. They define the atmosphere. That atmosphere can be toxic or it can be liberating. It can be full of opportunity or it can be full of manipulation and fear. So lots and lots of toxic greenhouses. Uh, and so if you think about an organization, an organization is made up of hundreds or thousands of greenhouses, which means subcultures. So the subculture leader defines the subculture. So the subculture, so that's why we have to almost wake up subculture leaders. Look guys, become intentional. 
understand that you can get your plants to thrive. But if you're watering every plant the same, so a lot of people will just line up all their plants and they water them all the same, they put them all in the corner, and then they wonder why they're not growing. Well, because that plant needs to be by the sun. This plant needs less water than you're giving them. This plant needs more water than you're giving them. So you have to understand the wiring, the personality. That's why we use the five voices because it's so simple. People get it. You have a pioneer, a guardian, two connectors, and a nurturer in your greenhouse. These are your employees. Your nurturers need a lot of water. That pioneer doesn't need much water at all. So you have to learn how to position them to get them to thrive. Sometimes you need to prune them. Sometimes they need more. So if you understand that you're the leader, you're a Sherpa, you're a gardener, the metaphors are understanding that you're responsible for the culture. And you define the culture, and then you let your plants thrive inside that culture. That is what multiplication is about. It's learning how to intentionally transfer knowledge, wisdom, and skills into those you lead. So we believe that, that culture and subcultures are not talked about enough. It's too much jargon. Leadership, jargon. Culture, jargon. We want a good culture. We want a good culture. Yeah, 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 yeah. What does that mean? I need every subculture leader to build a, a great culture. Because if they build a great culture here, 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 and here, it will bubble up to a culture here. So the ultimate, the CEO defines the culture, but that sub-level leader, you know, that sub-leader in the front lines defines the culture just as much as the CEO does. And that's why it's so important to understand um, that, that leaders define the culture and you want to give them the tools and the visuals to get them to become a healthy and teach them to multiply. Because if you've got subculture leaders that are 60 minus or 40 divide, you've got to make changes down here at these subculture levels. Great, great, great metaphors. I love them. And uh, let me just share with our listeners one of the things that I read that uh, caught my attention. Because culture was a huge part of being a part of the Army. And then, like he talked about, there were uh, subcultures. And we would call that climate. Um, it's just a different use of terms. But one of the things he says, Sherpa guides can't set the climate on Mount Everest, but it, they can create the environment for the people who are going to climb that uh, into that climate and and he points out that it takes uh, work to establish and keep a healthy company culture and there's no doubt now when you talked about subcultures and here I wrote in my notes this so let me just share with you how what I interpreted and just get your response to this I'm thinking about subculture and I was thinking about in my role as an early leader and one of the things that I would like to do is I'd love to bounce ideas off of formal leader informal leaders excuse me and here's the reason why um, number one, two reasons. When I bounce an idea off somebody who was an informal leader, you know, I was the formal leader, the boss, if you will, but it didn't mean I had the most knowledge in the organization. And I knew that I was very, very well aware of that. And so one of the things it did for me is it allowed me to eliminate any of the bad ideas that I had. The other thing it allowed me to do is get their ideas. And when they gave me whatever idea it was, that was a better idea then I could promote their idea and boost their stature within the subculture of you. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I think that's, it's great. I think there's a lot of people who may not be the best performers, but if they could be the best developers, the best multipliers, you could actually be a 75, 80, but 80 X, but it's the idea of learning how to intentionally transfer, learning to think multiplication, 
So you're, if you're responsible for your people, then that responsibility means that you're trying to get them to the next level or get them to play at the level that you expect them to play at. So all of it is designed to get you just to see what it's like to be on the other side of yourself, to understand what the mountain is, what the level of all of your employees are. Do they need more support? They need more challenge. What is their wiring? What is their personality? Getting them to the next level. And this, what I'm telling you, takes eight to 10 years to get to master. So, but you start the journey. And when you start the journey, you move from a, a you know, seven to an eight. And then you learn to go, okay, how, well, I'm a plus guy. How do I move from a plus to an X? Well, that, don't get discouraged in the process. Understand that while you're getting better, while you're learning to transfer and multiply, other people are seeing that you're trying. And all of a sudden, they're going, well, if you're willing to change, then I might be willing to change. And you create this uh, culture of healthy change. And that ultimately is the goal. Yeah, what you just described there for me was what I would have described as creating a positive learning environment by setting the example. You just you called yourself an avid reader. You may not exactly those words, but you know the fact that you do that. If you're doing that, and the people around you see that you're doing that, realize that helps them realize, hey, Jeremy doesn't have all the answers. He's he can learn too, and and you're setting you're sending these signals. Um, maybe they might be subconscious signals, but the bottom line is you're letting everybody know. Look, Jeremy, we only got a couple minutes left. Do you have any closing comments, if you will? Um, it's been fantastic, and I just want to say that. Uh, I enjoyed your, your book, and I enjoyed this interview, and I want you the opportunity to say whatever you want to say to close this out here. Yeah, you know, I, I just want to encourage everyone to think about what does it look to become more intentional than you've ever become in your life. To go, what are the areas that you need to be more intentional, whether it's uh, leading yourself, whether it's leading someone else, and how can you begin just to look in a mirror for yourself and liberate yourself? Call yourself up, not call yourself out, because that's where it starts, at the core of every person. Become a liberating to the self, not dominating themselves, not protecting themselves, not abdicating. So that means some of you are getting in the game and learning what intentionality really looks like. Well, fantastic. We have been listening to Jeremy Kubitschek today his book, The 100X Leader, and the concept of the Sherpa, the metaphor, if you will. And, uh, you know, my goal in this show is to be able to provide you, uh, introduce you to a number of great authors who've got great input for you on your leadership journey. And again, that's why it's called Your Evolving Leadership Journey. So I hope this has been helpful. I'm sure it has if you've been listening and you'll be even more benefited, if you will, if you pick up a copy of Jeremy's book and learn for yourself. So, with that, you guys have a great week. Jeremy, thank you so much for being my guest today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. Cheers. All right. Bye. Thank you for tuning in this week to Your Evolving Leadership Journey. Be sure to join host Tom Crea for another edition next Monday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a great week.